I've had a moment to, to meet folks you might not know very well or refill that coffee or go to the bathroom or whatnot. Good together, together. Um, will you pray with me? Merciful God, we um, continue today looking at your word. This morning, may it not only inform us, but form us as followers of Jesus. Might we be attentive to the ways in which you are speaking to us, not through the words that come out of my mouth, but the way in which you connect in our spirit, in our souls, as we join together in community. In the name of Christ, I pray. I feel like my mic might go out, just a warning. So, um, though I don't always feel this way, I generally consider myself a competent person and someone who can embrace mystery kind of all at the same time, which means often living in that tension of not knowing, right? The last three weeks have been a bit of a challenge for me as I have struggled to find answers as to why I've been short of breath and feel like I have this lump in my throat after I choked on a piece of breakfast sausage three weeks ago. It was really a, a strange thing, and it's really this fluke thing, I know. This is not the kind of mystery, though, that I like to embrace, okay? I don't do this well. And it's understandable. It's anxiety-producing to not be able to breathe and for it to take over two weeks to have any sort of clarity from medical practitioners uh, that makes any sort of sense. And I know I can be really impatient. Some of you might not have seen that yet. I've had people amongst us say, you're so patient. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Um, this is one of those cases where I was not patient at all. Let me also add that undergoing a bronchoscopy this last week was a pretty wicked experience. I don't recommend it. It's a little sci-fi-y, if you will. And yet I'm still here, embracing kind of the mystery of it all with this lump in my throat. Well, at least I can breathe a little bit better. At least I'm living in the mystery of it as I have ex exhausted all of my options in trying to figure things out on my own. But this way of embracing mystery is not what our friend, the Apostle Paul, uh, speaks of in the book of Romans, which is where our text for today comes from. In writing to the community of faith, which is made up of both Jews and Gentiles, Paul is encouraging them in the everyday, ordinary spaces in their lives where spiritual formation takes place in the community of souls, or saints, if you will. My hope is that today's text will be of encouragement to us here as well. It has been said that Paul aims for the believers to be encouraged as he demonstrates how four things are intended for the formation of our lives. The submission to scripture as it shapes our imagination, the use of metaphors to make sense of who God is in the world around us, the insistence on community, and the embrace of mystery. 
But, as Eugene Peterson describes, this mystery is not what is left over when we have done our best to reason things out on our own. It is inherent to the very nature of who God is and how God works. And when we encounter in God more than we can grasp, he says, it is an invitation to live in a world larger than our own sin-cramped selves, or what Paul describes as the way of the flesh. I want to note here, though, this phrase, way of the, fl- of the flesh, that Paul uses, does not mean to say that our bodies are bad. We live our faith in an embodied way, but that there's so much more going on in this world, and so living in the Spirit means recognizing our place as those who come from the Adama, as those who are created. This whole pandemic, the ridiculously difficult physical and relational health matters that some of us have faced this last year or two, the growing awareness of systemic injustice, the deepening political chasm, and the ongoing cycles of more and more bad news have really stirred some deeper wonderings about who God is and how God works. Simultaneously here, we have been journeying through the Old and New Testaments together, considering the from which we come into the land that we return as we find our place in the story of God. While I believe that we have been encountering in God more than we can grasp, what a beautiful invitation it is to live in the mystery of God, allowing the spiritual formation to take place in community together for us to know collectively and deeply the good news that nothing can separate us from the love of God, even as we wait with eager longing for what Paul describes as the revealing of God's children. This happens in community, the kingdom that is expanding as we read Scripture with increased imagination and we lean in to the way of the Spirit and we join in the groaning with all creation. Our text for today comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 30. And we are going to touch on verses 31 through 39 as well. But the verse that comes just before our text, verse 11, says this in the New Revised Standard Version. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. We read today's text in light of this verse and also in light of our text from last week from Matthew where we were um, given an opportunity to see that the power of God displayed in the resurrection was from Christ having gone into the heart or the womb of the earth where there is generative energy that has been from the very beginning. So I'd like us to keep these things in mind as I start to read. I'm going to read from the First Nations version again this week. Um, I'm doing so because I think it gives us some fresh perspective on these texts that can be so very familiar to some of us. I do want to make mention of one thing, though, before I read. That the First Nations version um, 
uses some gendered pronouns more than some of the other versions we tend to read. So I'm, I'm hoping that doesn't trip you up as you listen today. And I just want to note that. And it's okay to kind of sit in that and to kind of translate in your head if you, if you need to um, as I read, okay? So Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 30. Can you not see my relatives? We must no longer let our weak and broken human ways guide us, for that path led us only to death. But if we let the Spirit put to death these broken ways, we will share in his life. For it is the ones who follow the guidance of Creator Spirit who are truly his children. We must no longer surrender like slaves to the spirit of fear, The Great Spirit has taken us into Creator's family now, and we lift our voices and cry out to Him, Abba, my Father. His Spirit talks to our spirit and tells us we are His children. If we are His children, then we share with the Chosen One in all His blessings. But to be honored with Him in the world to come, we must also be willing to suffer with Him in this world. For it is clear to me that the suffering we now share with him is a small price to pay compared to the beauty and honor that is coming to us. The creation all around us is waiting on tiptoe for creator's sons and daughters to be revealed in the full beauty of who he has created them to be. Creation itself became weak and powerless, unable to fulfill its destiny not by its own choice, but because of the one who had power over it. But there is hope, for Creator has a plan to restore human beings. Then all of creation will share in the freedom of the life of beauty and harmony given to all of Creator's children. It is plain to see that all creation is still groaning in pain, like a mother giving birth. And even we who have first tasted of his spirit are groaning on the inside as we wait for creator to finish the purpose for which he took us into his family by giving us our new bodies that will never die. This is what creator was planned when he set us free by his spirit. It is the hope of all creation. We cannot fully see this hope yet, For who hopes for what has already happened? So we must be patient and wait for Creator to bring everything to completion. In the same way, His Spirit helps us in our weakness, for our prayers are often empty words, but Creator's own Spirit groans deep within us without words, making our our weak prayers strong. The one who sees into our hearts knows the Spirit's thoughts and prays with us in our weakness so we can become who he created us to be. In all these things, Creator is working to bring good to the ones who love him, the ones he chose according to his ancient purpose. For he knew long ago what kind of people he would choose. He decided ahead of time to make them to be like his firstborn son, who is the elder of the sacred family. The Great Spirit chose them, invited them, set them right with him, and gave them a life that shines with beauty and honor. This is the word of the Lord. Just take a moment and sit in silence.
and allow these words to kind of soak in. As we continue to ponder the question, what is this text leading us toward in connection to the land as connection to God? It seems to me that from this text we are encouraged to pay attention to the groaning of creation and the groaning within ourselves. Rather than dismissing it, we allow for it to facilitate connection with the Spirit. Verse 16 says, The Spirit talks to our spirit and tells us that we are God's children. And that according to verse 15, we are taken into Creator's family now. All of creation waits with eager longing. Did you hear the image of waiting on tiptoe? like a child moving in anticipation toward what comes next, which is the full beauty of who God has created us. We are becoming. And as we are becoming, we sit in the suffering. There is still pain. Creation itself became weak and powerless, unable to fulfill its destiny but it will be set free. In the New Revised Standard Version, it says, it will be set free from the bondage to decay. A bondage to decay that is both a self-sacrificing kind of decay necessary to sustain life, like we talked about last week, and also a bondage to decay because of that which has been perpetrated against it by our selfish choices by our lack of relationship with the Adama. But decay and annihilation are not the destiny for creation. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 8, remind us that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. The destiny of creation is transformation. I want to read verses 3 through 4 of Revelation 21 for us. It says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. In the meantime, we sit in the suffering. We suffer with Christ and with creation, groaning in pain like a mother giving birth. But let us not forget that creation has seen the redemptive power of God at work. And so it groans in hope for what it knows is fully coming. I've mentioned this quote before from Braiding Sweetgrass by Kimmerer, but I want to reiterate it for us today. She says, Even a wounded world is feeding us. 
Even a wounded world holds us, giving us moments of wonder and joy. The life-giving, resurrecting power of God is being birthed among us every day. And as we participate in the groaning, in the suffering, we experience a kind of spiritual formation that can only happen in relationship or in community. We come to understand that spiritual growth by, for those who live by the Spirit, the same Spirit that brought Creator sets free, who is Jesus, back from the dead, it's not a private or isolated formation. It's not private or isolated from what is going on in creation and in history. It also means that spiritual growth is not private or isolated from engagement with social and eco-justice. It reminds me of the conversation we had last week where it was mentioned that we, in our becoming and in this living in hope, we hold on to this yes and. So as verse 23 says, we wait for Creator to finish the purpose for which He took us into His family by giving us our new bodies that will never die. This is what Creator was planning when He set us free by His Spirit. It is the hope of all creation. May this be our hope as we embrace the mystery of who God is and how God works. In the process of becoming toward the full beauty of all that we are created to be, suffering with Christ and with creation that groans in pain like a mother giving birth, may we be encouraged in the everyday, ordinary life to return to the Adama. To return to the Adama when we face our personal and interpersonal struggles, when bills mount financial burdens and increased stress, when we are preparing for or recovering from surgery, when daily work before us is unfulfilling, when classmates or colleagues cause harm, when we're exhausted, when we feel like we've failed, when neighbors are in distress and we're unsure how to respond, when we hold difficult stories and burdens of those around us, when we choose love over hate, when we're called to show up in difficult spaces and conversations for the sake of justice, when we participate in the reconciling, healing work that requires energy we don't feel we have, when our every limits have been tested. Let us return to the Atma, joining with all creation that waits on tiptoe for the full beauty of transformation and being claimed as God's children. Verse 30 says, The Great Spirit chose them, invited them, set them right with Him, and gave them a life that shines with beauty and honor. And as the Spirit talks to our spirit and tells us that we are God's children, we are reminded of the ancient purposes which is to belong 
and to have life in abundance. We don't need to embrace only what is left over when we have done our best to reason things out on our own. When we encounter in God more than we can grasp, it is an invitation to live in a world larger than our own sin-tempt selves. It is an invitation to allow the scriptures to form and inform our imaginations, to find our place in the ever-unfolding story of God and retell the story of good news for all people and all creation and to embrace the mystery. If we were to keep reading in our text today, we would come to verses 31 through 39 that pose a list of questions that bring to focus that God is at work on an inconceivable, vast scale, embracing all creation in all of history. Before we try to reason things out on our own and as we encounter in God more than we can grasp, may we receive the beautiful invitation to embrace and live in the mystery of God, allowing our spiritual formation to take place in community. As I struggle these past few weeks, it has been a part of my own formation to allow others to hear my anxieties and to join in carrying the pain and the frustrations. My attention to creation has grown as I have responded to the invitation to return to the Adama, to return to the land, to get outside, to take a walk and receive fresh air, to marvel in God who is often more than I can grasp, and to be reminded that God is with me as I lean into community. I return to the heart or the womb of the earth where Christ has led and where there is generative life-giving energy so that I, too, can embrace hope. May this be our experience, collectively and deeply, as followers of Jesus who live the resurrection-defined life, propelled to see the whole world robust with God's eternal and loving embrace now. And might we join with the Apostle Paul in proclaiming this one thing, that as we wait with creation that eagerly longs for the revealing of God's children, that nothing can separate us from Creator's love, not life or death, not spirit messengers or dark spirit rulers, nothing from the spirit world above or on earth below, nothing today or in the days to come, not one thing in all creation can separate us from his great love, a love that is ours in the chosen one, creator sets free, who is Jesus, our honored chief. Amen. You can pull up your liturgy for the Lord's table. As a reminder,